Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that we have the privilege of praising you, that we are your children and we get to spend eternity with you. Help us to learn some things tonight, about this morning, about making right choices. God, I pray that you'll help us to see you work. We pray that your holy name will be manifest here today, that your kingdom would come, your will would be done through us in this earth just like it's done in heaven. We pray you'd give us this day everything that we need to do your will. Forgive us our sins. Father, we do forgive those that sin against us. Lead us not into trials. Deliver us from satanic attack. And we pray your kingdom and power and glory would be known through this, your church, and we, your people, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The, choice, the choices you make make a difference. I want you to say that with me. The choices you make make a difference. One more time. The choices you make make a difference. We're going to talk about choices this morning as we talk about the choices that a woman made. This woman was a very bad woman who lived in a very wicked culture. She was a prostitute. She was a harlot. She's known as the harlot, Rahab the harlot. It's spoken of at least twice in the New Testament, three or four times in the Old Testament. She's referred to over and over as Rahab the harlot. Now, the Bible says a whole lot about uh, adultery. The Bible says a whole lot about immorality. In fact, we're going to look at several verses. Let me, let me share with you some things that the Bible says. First of all, the, in the Ten Commandments, one of the big ten, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, you, God says very clearly that this is a sin that he despises. The Bible says this in Leviticus, and the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. In the nation of Israel, in the nation of Israel, God gave this command to that nation, if there's an adulterous situation in the uh, uh, in the nation of Israel, that is a capital offense, and people die for that. So it's a very, very serious uh, command that God gives, and a very, very serious sin. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy: "There shall no whore, or of the, of the daughter. There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite." Of the sons of Israel, God says, listen, we are not going to have this in the nation of Israel. It is a, it is a condemned action. There, there will not be homosexuality. There will not be, uh, there will not be prostitution in the, uh, in the nation of Israel. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter, uh, in, Deuteronomy, in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 29, the Bible says, do not, this is a command, do not prostitute thy daughters to cause her to be a whore, lest the land uh, fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. 
Israel's about to go into a nation and, and invade a land where this practice is just normal. This is something that took place. This was acceptable. And God has told them over and over again, no, that is not acceptable to me. In fact, when the children of Israel got in and took the land, God warned his people to avoid prostitutes. He said this in Proverbs chapter 23. He said, a whore is a deep ditch. And a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait for a prey and increaseth the transgressors among men. He said, you stay away from them. And fathers are wise to advise their children to be careful and be cautious about this whole thing of prostitution and whoredom is what God calls it. In, in Proverbs chapter 3 or Proverbs chapter 5, the Bible says, the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Again, this is a warning to the children of Israel, stay away from this vile sin which will corrupt you. You say, what does the Bible say about this in the New Testament? In the New Testament, the warnings continue. God says this. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, flee fornication. Fornication is a term to talk about any type of sexual sin. Any type of sexual sin is a general term. So he says, flee sexual sin. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth sexual sin sinneth against his own body. So there's a warning here that is more severe than for any other sin. Now listen, all sin separates us from God. All sin will cause us, uh, because of our sin, we go to hell, because of our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, any sin. But there are physical consequences, there are social consequences for some sins that are greater than other sins. And, and God is warning us against this sin of sexual sin. He's saying you're sinning against your own body, you're, you're hurting yourself when, when you commit this sin. Galatians, the Bible calls immorality uh, a work of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, that is marital unfaithfulness, uh, fornication, any type of sexual sin, uncleanness, the, the thoughts of sexual sin, lasciviousness is, is desiring things that cannot be righteously satisfied outside of marriage. God says all of this is a work of of the flesh and you need to stay away from it in first thessalonians the bible says for this is the will of god it's no question what at all you want to know the will of god even your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual sin god says listen stay away from this it's the it it is a it is a devastating destructive uh, uh condition that god wants his people to stay out of god warns us against this and why why? Stay away from it that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. God wants you to learn how to control your physical desires. People will ask me, teenagers have asked me over the years, why is it that God puts within the desire, in, the, in, a, in a young person at the age of 12 and 13, uh, they go through puberty and they begin to have a desire to have physical relationships with uh, the opposite sex. Why, why, does, why is that if God doesn't want them to have those desires until they get married? Because God wants us to teach our children and God wants our children to learn how to possess their vessels at a young age. So if I learn at 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19 how to control my passions, uh, if I learn how to control my physical desires at that age, then when I get married at 20 or 21 or 22 years old and then five years later have desires that come up, 
I'll be able to control them and I won't be forsaking my family because I've learned how to control those passions as a teenager. That's God's plan. And we're to help our children to abstain from fornication because this is the will of God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 6, whoso committeth an adultery, now listen to these words, whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding, he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. God says, Look, listen, this is destructive to your soul. It's destructive, the, the soul is the mind, the emotions, and the will. It's destructive to the way you think, it's destructive to the way you emote, uh, so that you're not going to be able to show the right emotion to the one God wants for you for the rest of your life. And it's destructive to your willpower, the ability to say yes to the right thing and no to the wrong thing. Uh, this immorality destroys your soul. That's why Jesus said don't even look on a woman to lust after her because when you do, it's adultery of your heart. It goes directly to your soul. That's why pornography is such a horrible thing in our culture. And so God addresses this this horrible, horrible sin of immorality. And he tells the children of Israel, you abstain from this. And they've gotten these commandments before they go into, Israel, uh, into uh, the land of, of a promise. The land of promise, however, is filled with people who know nothing of the Word of God. They know nothing of Jehovah God. The only thing they know about Jehovah God is that He is, that he is powerful. And they're fearful of Jehovah God because of what He did when He delivered Israel from Egypt. And they've heard stories of how Israel has destroyed kings on the other side of Jordan. And now they're ready to go into, and there's, there's, there's fear in the land of these Israelites that are coming in because they serve this God. But these people in, in this land, they're pagan, they're wicked, they're vile, and they live any way they want to live. These people are coming to invade that, and that's what we're going to read about this morning in Joshua chapter and Joshua chapter 2. Let's, let's read it together. Verse, verse 1, the Bible says, And, and Joshua... The son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly. Not 12 this time, just two. Send two men to, to spy secretly saying, go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and they came in, into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Now you might think to yourself, why in the world would they go to a harlot's house? Obviously, she was, this was like an inn. She, she was an innkeeper, and she offered herself in service there at the inn. Most likely, many of her family members lived there with her, but she was known as a prostitute. So she, they, they go there, they need a place to stay, and that would be the normal place that they would go. And the Bible says this, so they went there, and they, they went in, uh, into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. So obviously this was a place where other things took place. Uh, two of the king's uh, leading men were there and went back to the king who obviously knew about this place and knew about Rahab as well and probably was a customer of Rahab. 
they go to him and tell him that, hey, two, two people from Israel, two Israelites came in, and they're staying at Rahab's house. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out the country. These are spies, Rahab, and you need to, you need to bring them to me. You need to send them to me uh, so, that, so that I can deal with them. The idea is, these are bad people. You've got to get rid of them. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said this. So she takes them upstairs, she hides them, and she tells these, these men, there came two men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. I didn't know where they were from. I had no idea who they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, each night they would shut the walls of Jericho and shut the gates so the people couldn't go out or come in. So she said about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out, whither the men went, I want not, pursue after them quickly, for they shall overtake them. So she tells these people, these messengers from the king, look, they left, and they left right before the shutting of the gate, so they're outside the wall. If you want to get them, you've got to get out the wall, outside the wall, and you've got to go find them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with, with the stalks of flax which she had laid in, in order upon the roof. So she said, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm putting you up here. Hide underneath these, these, these uh, bundles of, of flat, flax. Hide here, and I'll go get them, and I'll have them go away. But the Bible says, and the men pursued after them and, and went to Jordan under the fords. They're, they're heading over to where they thought these spies would go back to because uh, that's where their camp would have been. So they start looking for them, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, that is, they hadn't even gotten hidden themselves, she came up unto them onto the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Wow, she makes a very positive, powerful statement. She says, I know the Lord. The word Lord is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. You'll see that in your Bible. Anytime you see in the Old Testament the, the word Lord capitalized, it is the proper name Jehovah God. And so she said, listen, I know, I know that Jehovah God, I don't know much about him, but I know that Jehovah God has given this property into your hands. He has given this, you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and and." All the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. He said, she said, you need to understand. Everybody in this land is afraid because of you, and they believe that in, in your God, or they believe that your God is going to give them this land. For we have heard how the Lord, that is Jehovah, dried up the waters of the Red Sea. They, they had heard the story. When, when you came out of Egypt, and what he did unto the kings of the Amorites, which were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon, who was a great king, and Og, who was a great king, whom you have utterly destroyed. We knew about Og, and we knew about Sihon, and you guys wiped them out. God gave them to you. Your Lord, Jehovah, gave them to you. By the way, Jehovah in the Old Testament is Jesus in the New Testament. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, Jehovah your God, 
He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now she proclaims that she believes in Jehovah God. She's made a choice to believe in Jehovah, the God that had given all of this land into their hands. And she makes that declaration. Now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by Jehovah, since I have showed you your, your kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. Again, look at the beginning of verse 12. Now, therefore, I pray you. She prays to them as though she's praying to God, spare my family. And, and that thou will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that have, uh, all they have, and deliver our lives from death. I don't care what you do. I believe in your God. I believe in Jehovah. And I'm praying that Jehovah will spare the life of my family. The men answered her, Our lives for yours. If you utter not this business, it shall be, uh, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. You treat us right, we're going to treat you right. Then she let them down by a cord through the window of her house. Her house was upon the wall, and she dwelt, up, uh, and she dwelt upon, upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountains, lest the pursuers meet you and hide uh, yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may you go your way. So she, she takes them, she lets them down through a scarlet cord. They're, they're on a rope going down. This is such an intriguing story. Make a great movie. And uh, they're, 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 they're going down the wall. They get down to the wall. When, when, as they're going down, she says, Now listen. Don't forget the promise that you made. And, and look, look, don't go back uh, across Jordan because that's where they're going to look for you. You go to the mountains, which was on the opposite side of Jericho. You go there and you hide there for three days and stay there for three days and then come back and they'll be gone. They'll, they'll come back in and then you can, you can safely get back to your camp. And the men said unto her, we will be blameless of this, uh, uh, this thine oath which thou hast made us to swear, in verse 17. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. He said, listen, you make sure that everyone in your family that you want saved come in here because they're going to get saved the same way you have, are. They have to believe us. They have to trust our, our God, and they have to come in and be in this house. Then everyone else is going to be destroyed, but they'll be saved, and they're going to get saved the same way you get saved, by being in this house. And we're going to see this scarlet thread on the outside of the wall of Jericho that goes up to your window, and we'll know this is the place that we're supposed to protect. It's interesting, if you go to Jerusalem, or if you go to Israel today, and you go to Jericho today, if you went there, you would find, uh, and I've, I've never seen this, but I've seen pictures of it, you'll find a portion of the wall of Jericho that is not crushed. Remember this, they're going to walk around, and you'll hear this in the next few weeks as Pastor Matt speaks. They're going to walk around the wall, and the walls are all going to tumble down, and they're going to take over the city. But there's one portion of the wall that didn't fall. 
Why? Because God knows exactly what he's doing. And that wall, that part of the wall that did not fall, even today people call that Rahab's, uh, uh, Rahab's wall. Uh, they, they're, 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 it had to stand because uh, God said, I'm going to protect you and your family if they go in that, in, in that room. So the Bible says this, behold, when he, um, that they'll be protected if they get in the room. Verse 19, and it shall be whosoever shall go out of the doors of thine house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless, but whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our heads, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this, our business, then will we be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. We're not going to be guilty. If, if you tell anybody about this, then the, the oath is over. It's null and void. And she said, according unto thy words, be it so. Or so be it. And she uh, sent them away, and they departed, and she bound scarlet lines in the window, and they went and they came unto the mountain and abode there three days just like she had told them to until the pursuers were returned and the pursuers sought them throughout all the way but found them not. So they went their way across Jordan, couldn't find them, come back there up in the mountains. So at that point, verse 23, the two men returned and descended from the mountains and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all the things that befell them and they said unto Joshua, what truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land for even all the inhabitants of the country to faint because of us. Wow. I read this story and I think of several things. I, I think of, of the fact that God is in control. And we, I think of the fact that, that Rahab, Rahab had to decide whether she was going to trust the king to protect her or trust the God of Israel who she had heard about. She had many choices that she had to make in this story. And today I just want to focus on those choices. Every one of us, every day, make choices, don't we? Every day we make choices. Sometimes we, we, when we get up in the morning, I asked our staff the other day, I said, what are some choices that you make, that you made today? One of the staff members said this, uh, well, I chose to, choose, uh, to chew gum this morning rather than have bad breath. Well, that's a good choice. Can you say amen to that? That's a good choice. Uh, that affects your friendship. Can you say amen to that? Uh, he, he, that's, that's good. Uh, somebody said, I chose to go to work rather than to not go to, to work. Well, that affects your income. Can you say amen to that? Well, the choices we make affect us. Someone said, well, I chose to go to school rather than stay home. Well, that, that, that affects your ability to grow financially. It affects, your, uh, into, affects you intellectually. Every choice that you make, positive or negative, affects us. Uh, somebody said, I, uh, we can choose to have a sour attitude or a good attitude. There are no doubt some people that woke up this morning and said, oh, look at this weather. Look at this rain out here. It's coming down. I left Michigan to come out here uh, because I wanted the sunshine of Las Vegas. And look at this. And so you have a sour attitude. Uh, hey, brighten up. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is the choices that you make about your attitude, about what, what, how you respond to the conditions of your life, that will affect your influence. If you walk around with a sour attitude, you're going to influence very few 
people. But if you walk around with an attitude, and you might negatively affect some people, but if you want to influence people for good, you've got to have that attitude that God is in control. Some make choices. Uh, am I going to read, get up and read my Bible today, or am I going to stay in bed for another 15 or 20 minutes? That's, these are choices, and that affects your spiritual walk. The choices we make, what I'm saying, uh, uh, choices we make affect us every single day. When I was in seventh grade, I had a typing teacher. I had a typing teacher. His name was Mr. Wright. Mr. Wright would walk by me as I was typing, and he would say, David, don't look at the keys. If you look at the keys, you're never going to get it right. Don't look at the keys. Stop looking at the keys. I made a choice not to obey Mr. Wright. <laughs> now, every time I get on my computer and I'm going ding, 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 there's a face right here. It's Mr. Wright. Mr. Wright's saying, I said, don't look at, don't, I told you, don't look. He just haunts me. He haunts me. Uh, we make choices and uh, our choices affect our lives. Here's the deal. I love this story because a woman who people would say, hey, she's useless, oh, she's no good, or she can never be used. People will say to me this from time to time. They'll say, oh, pastor, I wish I could be used of God, but you don't know my background. Oh, preacher, I wish I could be used of God, but you don't know how wicked I've been. Oh, and you, preacher, I, I would like to be used of God, but you just, you just don't know my background. As though God can't redeem the most wicked of us. Here we have a woman named Rahab who was a harlot. In the New Testament, we have a, a man named, named Paul who was a murderer and a terrorist. It's amazing how God takes the most wicked and redeems them so that we can see that God can take us no matter where we are. God can lift us out of the pit and set us upon a throne. It's amazing what God wants to do. But we have to make the right choices. We have to make the right choices. Rahab was living the way she, everybody lived. She was doing what everybody else did. But she came to an understanding that there was a God that she was going to answer to. And she chose, number one, she chose to trust Jehovah God for her salvation and not herself. She, tr she chose to trust Jehovah God to, to deliver her family and not the king. She knew the king, obviously. She knew the people in the palace, obviously. She knew a soul. Uh, she, she, she was part of that culture, and she had to make a choice. She chose that she would put her trust in Jehovah God to save her and her family. I want you to understand that same thing is true for us. We have to make a choice. As Christians, or as, 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 as individuals, every person has to come to a point where we choose to trust our good works to get us to heaven, to trust our church membership to get us to heaven, to trust our baptism to get us to heaven, or to trust Jehovah God. See, the Bible says we're all sinners. We're in the same boat as Rahab. We're all sinners, and because we're sinners, all of us deserve to be separated from God forever in a place called hell. That's what the Bible says. But the Bible says God loves us in spite of the fact we're sinners. 
And he loves us so much that God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ so that he could, as a man, die in our place and pay for our sins. He could do that as a man, but as God, he could be everywhere at the set path, uh, everywhere in the, in the world at the same time. He could be in the past, present, and future all at the same time. So as a man and as God, he could die for all of mankind's sin at one time in space and time, and that's what Jesus did. He died for us. He was buried. He rose from the dead, having paid for our sins, and he went back to heaven. Now the Bible says, in order to get to heaven, all I have to do is say, Jesus... I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are God. I believe that you died for me and were buried for me and rose from the dead for me. And I'm placing my faith and trust in you as my Lord and my Savior and my God. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That was true, that was true for Rahab. That's true for us. In the New Testament, the Bible tells us about a, a man who was a jailer who was brought to to, um, to Paul and Silas when, when, when his prison gates were open he thought, he, he thought I'm going to die I'm going to die because all these prisoners are going to escape and they're going to blame me he comes and he falls down before Paul and Silas and says what must I do to be saved and, and the Bible says they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ what does that mean? it means to trust him Believe that he died for you and was buried and rose from the dead for you. Ask him to save you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This, it was true for Rahab. It's true for the, 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 the uh, Philippian jailer. The Bible says this, that if you come to Jesus, he'll not cast you out. Jesus said, all that the Father giveth me. I was, uh, I was talking to a lady who had been in church all of her life just this past week. I was talking to her, and, she, and I, I said, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? She said, you know, you, you asked that question earlier. She said, i got to tell you, I believe in Jesus, and I believe in the Bible, but I have all these doubts about whether or not I'm really going to go to heaven. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, do, do you believe the Bible? She said, yes, I do believe the Bible. Is the word of God. I said, okay. And do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? And she said, yes. And I said, did you ask Jesus to give you eternal life? And she said, yes. I said, well, then do you believe that Jesus is a liar? No. I said, well, here, the Bible, which you claim is the word of God, says that Jesus, who you claim is God, says everyone all that the Father give me. He says, listen, you can't come to me. You couldn't have come to Jesus unless the Father drew you to Jesus. You couldn't have come to him. And he said, if anyone comes, if the Father gives him anybody, he will in no wise cast them out. So either Jesus is a liar, and he's not God, and Jesus is, and you can't trust the Bible, or it is. It's all a matter of trust. Do you trust what you say you trust, the Bible, and do you believe that Jesus is a liar or is he not a liar? Because if he's telling the truth, there's no way in the world that you can get out of his hand. You're his child, and you're his child forever. Can you say amen to that? That's why the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. Are you trusting him? Have you admitted that you're a sinner? Have you asked him to save you? And if you believe the Bible, then you can know you're going to heaven.
period, period. She chose to trust, she chose to trust Jehovah God for her salvation and, uh, 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 and, and not the king or not any other circumstance. Trust Jesus, number one. Number she chose to do that. Number two, she chose to protect the servants of God. I love this because she made a choice. She, she made a choice. Look, their lives were threatened. If they were caught, they were going to be killed. It was, it was all over for them. And she chose, she, and she could have said, hey, they're upstairs. Hey, they're hiding. She could have done anything she wanted. But she chose to protect the servants of God. You know, it's so important that we do that. I mentioned this last week. It's so important that we make sure that we are protective and, and that we watch out for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, when you got saved, you were, you were brought into a big family. You're in the family of God. You've got brothers and sisters all around this room. You've got brothers and sisters, but not just around this room, all over this country, all over this world, you have brothers and sisters. And you're going to hear from time to time negative things about your brothers and sisters. And you have to make a choice. Are you going to jump on the bandwagon of criticizing other Christians, or are you going to protect the servants of God? She made a choice. She made a choice. Everybody in that culture would have been against what she was doing. But she chose to protect the servants of God. David, in his life, was pursued by one of his brothers. He was pursued by Saul, who was the king of Israel. And he was loyal to the king, but he was pursued. The king was jealous of him and, and what people said about him. He had an opportunity as he ran as a fugitive because this man was against him. He had an opportunity one that night to go into a cave and kill this man who did not know that he was present. And his, his warriors that were with him said, go kill him. And David said this. David said, to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed. I'm not going to touch God's anointed. To stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. You say, how do you know somebody that's anointed of God? If somebody's trusted Jesus as their Savior, they're anointed of God. The only way you get to heaven is through, through putting your faith in him. You are a child of God. I have determined a long time ago, I'm not going to say anything negative about God's children. I think he likes his kids. I think he likes his kids even when his kids are acting up. He still likes his kids. I can see my kids doing something wrong and thinking, oh, I'm going to go when I get them home. But somebody else comes up and tells me about them, I'm going to defend my kid. This is my kid. Look, God doesn't want you bad-mouthing his children, your brothers and sisters. Protect them. Pray for them. Paul said this, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Just a determined, I'm not going to speak evil. In fact, I'm going to do good. Anytime I can do something nice for a brother or sister in Christ, I'm going to do it. You say, why? Because I'm selfish and I'm self-centered. So what do you mean by that? Look, God promises a reward to those who do right. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name... Man, look at that. If I give you just a cup of water in the name of Jesus, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. That's why I give out Christmas presents. Is it because you're generous? No, I'm selfish. 
I want the reward of God. That's why I give people things. That's why I care about people. Because, not because I'm a good guy, because I, am, I, I want the reward of God. And God promises me, if I take care of his children, I'm taking care of him. The Bible says this, and Jesus said, at that last day, at the time of the judgment of all the nations, all the nationalities, the king will answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of one of these my brethren, you've done it unto me. Lady said to me years ago, years ago, we weren't even in this building yet, so it's got to be over 34, 35 years ago. She came up to me, a revival was going on, and she said, she said, preacher, she said, I, I really want to do something for Jesus. We're t- we were taking a special offering. She said, but I don't have any money. She said, I want to give something to Jesus. I really want to give something to Jesus. I said, well, this is what you do. You go home. She made a coffee crumb cake that was amazing. You know, some people can make coffee crumb cake, and it's in, and you say, oh, this is great, but, and you lie. But, but, but <laughs> she made a coffee crumb cake. She, like, she put every kind of poison in there that tasted so wonderful. It had cinnamon and, like, and sugar, and, and, just, and she would make it. And it was always, like, moist on the inside. I don't know how she did that. So I said, I, she said, what can I give to Jesus? I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home, and I want you to make that coffee crumb cake, crumb cake of yours. She said, well, I, I just do it and bring it back to church. So she did. She brought it to me, and she said, now what do I do with this? I said, give it to me. <laughs> she gave it to me, and I cut a piece. She said, this is Jesus. I said, yes, and I'm giving it to the least of one of these, his brethren. <laughs> and you gave this to me. You say, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. No, that's true. She made that. She gave it to me, and I ate it for Jesus. There was a little bit of selfishness there, but I, but I, I want you to understand this. <clears throat> I want you to understand, when you take care of the children of God, you're taking care of Jesus, and he's the one that said that. So t- take care of each other. Minister to one another. That's why the connection classes are so good, because we get to know one another. We get to minister to one another. We, 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 we get to help one another. And you do that after you get to know each other. And so get involved in that. So she made a choice. Number one, to put her faith and trust in Jehovah God. She made a choice to protect the children of God. Thirdly, I want you to see this. She chose to pray for her family. She chose to pray for her family. Look at, look at uh, uh, verse 13. It says this. And uh, uh, verse 12, it says, Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by Jehovah, since I have showed you kindness, that you will show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren. She cared about her brothers and sisters. She really cared about them, and she prayed for them, and she prayed for their salvation, and she prayed for their protection. Man, do you pray for your children? Do you pray for your grandchildren? Do you pray for your husband? Do you pray for your wife? Do you pray for your mother? Do you pray for your father? Do you pray for those around you? Paul said this. Paul said this. He said, I exhort therefore that first of all, above anything else, before you do anything else, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Why? This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Pray for people to be saved. 
Pray for people to be saved. Pray for those around you. Pray for your family for their salvation. I, I pray every day for all 30 members of my family. I pray for my wife. I pray for, for, my, for all, all 10 children. Somebody said last week, Preacher, you said you had 10 children. You only have five. No, I have 10. I have five by birth and five by marriage. And I pray for those 10 every single day by name. And I pray for all 19 of our grandchildren by name. And I pray for their salvation. If they're young, we only have four of our grandchildren that are not saved yet. And that's because they're too young. But uh, I pray for them to get saved every day. You need to pray for people to get saved. Pray for them. I'm so glad. I tell the Lord, thank you for saving my grandkids. Thank you for what you're doing. We need to pray for our families. You say, I got a brother. I've tried to tell about Jesus. And he doesn't want to hear it. Just keep praying for him. Pray for your sister. Pray for your mother. Pray for your father. Pray for your kids. Pray for everybody in your family. She did that. Do you pray for your family daily? She did. She came and she said, I'm concerned about my family. And she prayed for them. Do that. You see people saved when you pray for them, by the way. God gives you doors, opens doors for when you pray for people to get saved. I was, yesterday, <clears throat> went to the hospital <clears throat> to make a visit. And when I got there, uh, I, it, they had built on, I went to Sunrise Hospital, they built this huge building. I didn't even know where I was going. I thought I knew the place. And so they directed me around. I, I went into this area while well, these people are walking in this door, and I thought, that's the door I'm supposed to walk in. So I, I walked in th th through the door, and I'm just walking through, and this lady, the security guard, said, hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. She thought I was a defiant idiot, and that I was defying her authority. And I wasn't a defiant idiot, I was just an idiot. I, I, I was going where I thought you were going, I didn't know where I was supposed to go, and so, so I, sh I turned around, and she I said, oh, I I'm supposed to stop here? She said, yes, everybody stops here, and you need to take everything out of your pockets, and you need to put them in this thing, and I said, okay, and like, she was like a little irritated with me, and uh, I said, oh, okay, man, I'll obey, I'll do everything I'm supposed to, and, and I, I, I got my stuff, put it in there, and then she said, stand over there by this pole, and she said, turn around, and I, I did that, I thought, man, just to go to a hospital. And uh, so I, I got checked out, and then she said, okay. And I, and I took all my stuff back, and I had a bunch of tracks there. And so I, I said, here, can I give you something really good? I said, I really want you to know how much I appreciate people like you who protect us. And then she started getting nice. And, she, and I said, I said I'm going to give you that. And she said, oh, well, good. Well, thank you. And I said, well, and I, and I left. Well, I didn't know, but two hours later, Pastor Neil went to that same place. Pastor Neil uh, was, uh, uh, was going through, and he was going through security, and, and uh, he went up there and to, to check in, and the same lady was there. And so uh, after he checked in, she, he, he said, can I, can I give you something good? And she said, no, I already got one. <laughs> she said, a guy came through here a little while ago and gave me, gave me this, and she said, I've been trying to read it, and people keep interrupting me. And uh, she said, but I'm going to read it when I get home. And he said, yeah, you do that. Well, listen, God gave that opportunity. That, lady's, that lady got an opportunity to get saved. I'm saying this, pray for people to get saved. Pray for your family to get saved. She did that. She prayed. Number four, here's another choice that she made. She chose to keep her word in face of opposition. You know, it's one thing to say, I believe in Jesus in here amongst us, but it's different to say, I believe in Jesus out there where you're going to get harassed for it. Uh, her king opposed her. 
The soldiers opposed her. The soldiers questioned her. Her family probably thought she was nuts for hiding these spies. If they knew about it, they would have told her she was nuts. There was great opposition. Can I tell you this? As Christians, and no matter what culture we live in, we're going to face opposition. And we need to kindly and graciously stand for truth. When you stand in a world that doesn't know but the difference between a woman and a man, when you stand in a world that wants men to marry men and women to marry women, and, and when you stand in a world that wants uh, children to be able to have uh, uh, biological changes made when they don't even understand what's going on with their bodies, when you live in a world like that, it is absolutely essential that somebody stands for truth. And it's important that we stand for truth in love and that we stand for truth in grace. But we must stand for the truth. Say amen to that. We must stand for the truth. If we, as the pillar and ground of truth, don't stand for truth, then the world has no other choice but to, to fall into corruption. We must stand and say, yes, two plus two still equals four. That, that, that what, is, what has been taught in this nation for years is still truth, whether people want to deny truth or not. And when you stand for truth, there will be opposition. She chose to keep her word in the face of opposition. The Bible says this, Yea, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You must determine to stand for truth. And then lastly, she chose to be a different woman. She chose... I didn't do that. Maybe I did. I don't know. So uh, she, she, she chose to be a different woman. It is speculated that she wound up marrying one of the spies. She winds, she winds up marrying a, a, a man. Now, she's, she's left this whole life behind her. And she winds up marrying a man named Salmon. Not the fish. Her, his name was Salmon. And the Bible says this. In the New Testament, the Bible says this. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. That is, Rahab the harlot. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. This is absolutely amazing. In this, in this lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are two people. One was caught in adultery. The other one was a prostitute. Rahab was the prostitute. And yet she made a choice. She made a choice to put her faith and trust in Christ, protect those, those people. She made a choice to stand against opposition for truth. And she made a choice to become a new woman. Uh, when after, after all of the city had fallen, she, her family was spared. And she winds up marrying. Some speculate she married one of those two spies and that one of those two spies was Salmon that she put her, she, she married him and she totally changed her life and she became the great-great-grandmother of David, the king of Israel, which puts her in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can God use somebody that used to be a prostitute? He certainly can. 
Can God use a former drug addict? Oh, yes, he can. And can God use me and my, after all my wickedness in my life? He certainly can. But here's the deal. She made a choice. And when you make the choice, here's what's, here's what's so neat. The Bible says if we come to him and we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now listen to this. Listen to these words. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? That means in the sight of God, you are a pure, holy, in the sight of God, Rahab, the harlot, was a pure, holy, virgin girl. That's how he viewed her. The thief is now a pure, holy man before God. The, 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 uh, the murderer is a pure and holy, washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, how do you get clean like that before God? You make the choice. You make the choice. You see, the choice you make will make a difference. Let's say that again. The choice you make will make a difference. One more time. The choice you make will make a difference. That's the truth. What choice will you make today? Father, I pray that you use what has been said, and we've learned a lot. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we've learned a lot from one of your ancestors, from Rahab. God, I pray that we will understand that what we choose makes a difference in our lives. Help us to make right choices. If there's somebody here that's not saved, I pray they'll choose to get saved today. If there's somebody here with any other difficulty, I pray that they'll make the right choice and that you'll change their lives. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.